Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X-Zone one and all. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next three hours, I am your host, I am your guide, as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 11 p.m. Eastern until 1 a.m. Eastern. No, I'm sorry, that's 2 a.m. Eastern. I'm sorry. Right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right around the world and satellite programming providers. If you'd like to send me an email, studio at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, and our website, you probably guessed by now, after 25 years, you should know it, exxonradiotv.com. Uh, I, was, I was trying to figure out what to say about my first guest tonight, except that he is the great-grandfather of ufology. I've had the pleasure of meeting this uh, gentleman in Brantford, Ontario last year at the Alien Cosmic Expo. I've had the pleasure of talking to this gentleman over the past 25 years on air many times. And of course, I'm talking about the one and only Stanton T. Friedman. He received his Bachelor of Science and Master of Science degrees in physics from the University of Chicago in 1955 and 56. He was employed for 14 years and as a nuclear physicist with such companies as GE, GM, Westinghouse, TRW Systems, Aerojet, General Nucleonics, and McDonnell Douglas, working in such high-advanced, classified, eventually cancelled programs, such as nuclear aircraft, fission and fusion rockets, 
and various compact nuclear power plants for space and terrestrial applications. It was in 1958 that Stan started his uh, interest in UFOs, and since 1967 he has lectured about them in more than 600 colleges, 100 professional groups, 50 states, 10 Canadian provinces, and 18 other countries in the world. And everyone who has ever picked up a UFO book, read a UFO article, listened to a UFO show, watched UFO TV, at one time or another, has had the pleasure of reading about, hearing about, or watching Stanton T. Friedman talk about UFOs. Joining me now from his home in the beautiful province of New Brunswick up here in Canada is Stanton T. Friedman. And Stan, welcome back to the X-Zone. Delighted to be on again. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Stan, the Roswell slides have made it to the top of the uh, jar again. I was speaking to Tom Carey earlier this week, and uh, he said Joe Beeson, who contacted him after Beeson, and this is a this is what uh, this is what Carey told us after Beeson had attempted to interest you in the slides. And according to Carrie, you were too busy to follow the lead and suggested Carrie and Beeson. I'm sorry, Carrie and Schmidt to Beeson. Does that make any sense well, to you? It makes a certain amount of sense that I was busy and I was traveling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a firm believer that if you're going to have an opinion about something, especially something controversial, right, you should have facts in hand before mm-hmm. putting your mouth in gears. So, Usually. I, I'm not ready to say, oh, let me look at those. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see what that is or isn't, as the case may be. I think you need in-depth investigation, especially something which, if genuine, uh, would be a, a, a major find. Uh, in other words, pictures of an alien are kind of a big deal. Uh, you know, not yeah. seen through a window 50 yards away, but, uh, you know, close up. So I... I don't recall him approaching me, but that doesn't prove anything because lots of people approach me about lots of things. But uh, but but Stan, if common it, response is, yeah. you know, uh, I don't have time to dig into this. Uh, I did get asked later on mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. appear um, with Jaime Masson down in Mexico City. Yeah, uh, when Don and Tom were there and. I must admit, I was sorely tempted as much by the fact that it was colder than heck here, <laughs> and gee, it would have been nice to be sure. <laughs> in Mexico City under those conditions. But I finally decided that there wasn't any, it wasn't sufficient data for me to stick my neck out. Right. And I wouldn't be in a position to really do a scientific evaluation. All right, Stan, we've got yeah. to take a quick break. Please stand by Exonation. Stanton T. Friedman is our special guest when we come back. More about the Roswell Rods. We're also going to be talking about MJ-12, as well as the Roswell investigation. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Stanton T. Friedman is our guest. And we're also going to be talking about a new book that Stan has co-authored with Kathleen Martin. All this and more tonight here on the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. 
Now on Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. Mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers a certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th. Registration deadline is September 12th. Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. Exonation, we're talking about the Roswell, New Mexico UFO incident going back to 1947. Our guest is the world-renowned great-grandfather of ufology, Stanton T. Friedman in uh, Edmonton. I'm Edmonton or Fredericton? I forget which one. Fredericton. Fredericton, <laughs> the capital of New Brunswick. And uh, his website is Stanton T. Uh, StantonFriedman.com, and he's got a new book out entitled Fact Fiction Flying Saucers that he co-wrote with Kathleen Marsden. Um, just getting back to some of the books that are that are coming out, and there's new books on Roswell coming out all the time. Have you been able to, uh, or did you read A Different Perspective, Roswell in the 21st Century by Kevin Randall? I've been waiting to get that. No, I understand he's gone kind of negative about it, but uh, uh, I'm not too yeah. surprised at that. Uh, 
remember, uh, Kevin has written more than 80 books of fiction. Oh. His long suit is putting uh, stories together, if you will. And a good story writer, everything comes out Mm -hmm. at the end. You know, you don't have many holes in the story. But uh, Kevin and I have tangled uh, many a time. And uh, you mentioned MJ-12 earlier as a typical example of my difficulties with uh, his views is that he said that the, the proof that the uh, Majestic 12 documents are fraudulent is that it calls talks about Admiral Roscoe Hillencoder. He was only a rear admiral. Obviously, the documents are fraud. Well, he doesn't bother to point out, which surprised me, because he's a, a military man. with a, he's, he's spent a lot of effort defending our country. Yes, yes. Give him credit for that. Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, yeah. Well, he... Uh, the other, all the members, the military members of MJ-12 were listed by their generic ranks. Uh, that is, you say general, and it, it could be brigadier general, major general, mm-hmm. lieutenant general. You say admiral, it could be rear admiral, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so it, it, he even asked me for any uh, other instances of him signing himself uh, admiral. Well, there is no Hill and Coder signature in the documents. And I checked with two different archivists mm-hmm. uh, who told me that standard practice. One mentioned that Ike uses it, so I dug out one of the books I have by Eisenhower, and he calls generals who weren't four stars, and then uh, general. Uh, uh, the best example I found was at the uh, Eisenhower Library, where uh, he was a uh, brigadier general at the time. He started off as a uh, colonel, but... Uh, good, I want to say Goodovich, uh, Joe, good pastor, uh, General Goodpastor. Mm-hmm. He would take notes at the meetings at the White House. He was Ike's staff secretary. And he would list at the beginning of each of these memos that he wrote, memcons, they were called, memorandum of conversation. He, he would list the attendees. And he always used generic ranks. He called himself General Good Pastor. He was only a brigadier general. But he signed himself Colonel Good Pastor. And two different archivists, again, stressed that that's the way things are. So what I'm saying is, this was his biggest argument. He said the most, you know, the thing that really proves the documents are fraudulent, when it does no such thing. Standard practice. And uh, he lives a lot closer to the Eisenhower Library than I mm-hmm. do in Iowa, and I'm a lot east of Iowa. <laughs> so uh, I'm anxious to see. I, I just read something about Kevin's book, and I'm anxious to see it. But uh, So I, I can't pass an sure. opinion on okay. the book. Um, but before... I expect there to be some uh, differences of opinion. How do I put it that way? <laughs> Very diplomatically, as always. Listen, Stan, before we went to the break, we were just talking about an interview with you and Joe Nichols, who... You know, who is with PSYCOP, or as I call them, the party poopers of the paranormal. And uh, you were telling us about a press release that was issued. Uh, or or something. Well, did, he, oh, when he when he, he referred to... I see. Right. Go ahead, Stan. I'm sorry. Yeah, he referred to the press release that started the Roswell story in mm-hmm. publicity uh, as being put out by an anonymous PR guy... Uh, an unauthorized press release. 
Well, when we were together and I heard this, I said, you mean you don't even know his name? Mm-hmm. Well, no. Uh, well, I said, I've had dinner with them. Everybody knows anything about Roswell knows Walter Hahn's name. And I checked around town. He was extremely well thought of. Uh, he'd been in the military. He wasn't an anonymous PR guy. As a matter of fact, he was a World War II uh, navigator bombardier. And uh, he was chosen to drop the instrument package uh, when two explosions in Operation Crossroads took place uh, after Roswell. Uh, and you pick your best people because you're wasting a bomb if you don't have an instrument package there. And he was very close to Colonel Blanchard, the base commander. There's no question about Butch, as he was called, Blanchard mm-hmm. authorizing the press release. And the strange thing is that nine years later, a cover story in uh, one of the skeptical magazines repeated the same nonsense about an anonymous PR guy and an unauthorized press release. What's well, nonsense? Uh, that's typical. Well, I'll give you another example with Joe Nickel. He visited Flatwoods, West Virginia, where there, the Flatwoods monster was observed, monster in quotes. Uh, and I've spent time with the guy who wrote the book and mm-hmm. so forth. When he went to Flatwoods, he didn't talk to any of the witnesses. There were still plenty of lives this years ago. Uh, this happened uh, 50 years ago, 52, uh, an anniversary coming up. Uh, but the, he not only didn't talk to them, he didn't go to the location, which tells you a lot about the, the event, and he came up with an exceedingly strange explanation. What the people saw, there was this large thing, uh, I don't know whether it was a creature or somebody inside a, a, a uniform or an outfit or protective gear or whatever, but it was big. We know by the height of the branch on the tree that he walked under. Uh, and he explained it as a six-foot-tall, would you believe, and what what birds are uh, six foot tall? Ostrich? None. No, no. There, <clears throat> there aren't any. Oh. Uh, and uh, suddenly I've lost the, what, what the word was that uh, this was. Hmm. But uh, I checked with people in that area uh, if they've ever heard of a six foot tall uh, creature that he mentioned about, and absolutely not. They laughed at me. <laughs> crazy yeah uh and so when when you try to get away with silly explanations like that and you don't talk to any of the witnesses and you don't look the location was important because the object moved was seen by a bunch of boys uh playing ball and they saw it fly and then it came down and if you go to where it came down you can see why it wound up at at the bottom of the hill and there were many witnesses to this creature for in quotes uh and uh, there's a darn good book about this, Flatwoods Monster. And why didn't he do any checking, in other words? Uh, the, somebody who became the mayor was also one of the witnesses. And, you know, uh, so this isn't research. It's proclamation. And they're not the same thing. Uh, and so I, I've done debates because I believe one has to stand up for what one believes in. Mm-hmm. If you will have done your homework, and uh, it's no, there's no reason. It's not hard to understand why I won the debates. I've done my homework. Uh, people like Michael Shermer, head of the Skeptics Society, yep. 
and we debated on coast to coast radio and i got 80 percent of the vote because he didn't know anything he hadn't done his homework even seth shostak of the seti group which i call silly effort to investigate <laughs> uh well they make a whole bunch of stupid assumptions uh but seth and i debated we spent a week on a cruise from london to new york uh, each giving three lectures and stuff and uh, uh on coast to coast i got 57 percent of the vote he got 33 and 10 percent said i don't know who won but uh, when i asked in the course of one of my lectures uh, i talked about five large-scale scientific studies and uh, explained what was in them and then uh, after each one asked how many people here have read this uh and he hadn't read any of them now, I will give him credit. He admitted on Coast to Coast, many months after our debate, that he had a copy of my book, Flying Saucers and Science, on his nightstand. He didn't say he'd read it. Uh, I had asked him if I could send him one, you know, one mm -hmm. address, and he had said yes, and so I did. But uh, one of the crazy things is here we have the people get the most attention for their interest in extraterrestrials, the SETI community, the astronomical community also, and look in their books at the references. And you never find that they've studied any of the evidence. Now, scientists are supposed to look at evidence before reaching conclusions. And so uh, if people think I'm going overboard when I say they make silly assumptions, well, some of these guys say there might be somebody as close as a thousand light years away mm -hmm. And Frank Drake, uh, several years ago, said there might be as many as 10,000 places in the galaxy that could send us signals. Now, why they would send us signals using technology appropriate to us, we've only had radio since, long-distance radio, uh, since 1901, Marconi and company. And the planet's been around, you know, for over 4 billion years, so it's not like uh, that's mm -hmm. the oldest technology around. But... Uh, but let's face it, with the Kepler now, we find that there are planets all over the darn place. Mm -hmm. And if you ask astronomers, they'll say someplace between 1 and 1.6 planets per star. I mean, some might have 10, uh, you know, uh, some have 2, some have none. Anyway, within a mere 100 light years just down the street, the galaxy is 100,000 light years across. So within a mere 100 light years, there are approximately uh, 10,000 stars, which suggests at least 10,000 planets from just down the street. They also seem to forget that we know enough that if we want to go to the stars, we can. All it takes is money, lots and lots of money. And I say that having been involved in an Air Force-sponsored study of fusion, nuclear fusion for deep space travel, interstellar travel, way back in 1962, honest to God. And our conclusion was, uh, if you got the dough, you can go. We didn't say it quite that way. <laughs> what I'm getting at here is we already know. We didn't figure out about nuclear fusion until mm -hmm. 1938. But... If you want a lot of energy in a small package, we know that dynamite won't do it. It'll make a mess of a room with a stick of dynamite. But you want a big bomb, you go nuclear. So instead of releasing the energy of 10 tons of dynamite, like the, a big uh, bomb did in the, in, during World War II toward the end, 
a 10-ton blockbuster. Our first atomic bomb released the energy of 16,000 tons. That's a fission device of, of dynamite. And in 1952, our first fusion device released the energy of 10 million tons of dynamite. That's quite a while back. In other words, we already know yeah. that you want a lot of energy, boy. Fusion's the way to go. All right, Stan, well, stand by. We've got to take our final break. ExoNation Stanton Friedman is our guest. His website, stantonfriedman.com. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Stanton about his new book, Fact Fiction Flying Saucers. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net.
I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hey, Exonation, Stanton T. Friedman is our special guest. His website is stantonfriedman.com. And uh, Stan, just before we get on to talking about your new book that you wrote with Kathleen Marsden, uh, Fact Fiction, Martin. Martin, I'm sorry, Fact Fiction and Flying Saucers, uh, did, what did you think of the, of, the, of the kind of slapping down SETI got in August when they were gun-ho about this? This uh, this noise that was picked up by a Russian telescope, uh, they said it was detecting a strong signal from the sun, and it turned out to be nothing. Well, I'm, I wasn't surprised. Uh, SETI hasn't... Uh, many people are interested in life in outer space. There's sure. no question about that. Uh, on the other hand, SETI's been going on a long time, and what has it got to show for itself? Uh, we have... Still, no evidence whatsoever mm-hmm. of anybody out there sending a signal here. Yep. And we act as if, uh, ain't no way anybody's going to get here. Uh, and they know nothing about government uh, cover-up, if you will, the cosmic Watergate. Mm-hmm. They know nothing about advanced technology. Yeah. I worked on fission rockets. You know, the power, twice the power of Hoover Dam and something eight feet in diameter, uh, Los Alamos built wow. that one, and tested it. It was real, you know. And the, the astronomers all know about nuclear fusion, yet they will never get around to saying, well, that's probably the way these guys used to get here. There, They'll talk about fourth-dimensional space-time warping, you know, which is a nice science fiction concept. Nuclear fusion isn't science fiction. Every star produces its energy that way, and they all know it. But they can't imagine, well, part of the problem is you know that all research has to be done in an academic setting, don't you? Oh, well, and wait a minute, wait a minute. Peer-reviewed journals. Well, hold on here, hold on here. What, isn't it the academics that are still telling us that Christopher Columbus discovered the Americas and they forget about the Vikings, they forget about the Irish monks and everyone else? Or the Chinese. Yeah. Or <laughs> an admiral. Yeah, it's a strange world we live in. Uh, It it really is. Uh, I used to often give talks at uh, little seminars in the afternoon before Mm -hmm. my evening program on campus, and I'd uh, ask some questions once I got told that Dr. So-and-so thinks I'm full of baloney. (laughs) I'll ask, what's the numerical value of 1G acceleration? 9.8 meters per second squared, they all know that. Okay, how do you put that in miles per hour per second? They look at me like I'm talking Swahili. It turns out, incidentally, it's 21 miles per hour per second. 
So a car accelerating at one g in three minutes is go and three seconds is going sixty three miles an hour is pretty hot car. Then I ask what the speed of light. They give me that, and I say, okay, how do you put that in terms everybody knows? Well, it turns out it's six hundred and seventy million miles an hour. But the key question: How long does it take at one g to get close to the speed of light? And it's a multiple choice question, gentlemen. A thousand years, <laughs> hundred years, ten years, one. A lot of people guess a thousand, a hundred, ten. The real answer is one. Uh, in other words, star travel is it is as silly to dismiss it as it would be to say that well, Magellan set the record for going around the planet. Only took his boat three years, his ship three years. Uh, so that gives you an idea. Well, it turns out the space station does it in ninety-five minutes. The key thing is that progress comes from doing things differently in an unpredictable way. The future is not an extrapolation of the past. And until you realize that there are large, expensive projects done in industry in the national laboratories and not in academia. I mean, Lockheed developed a stealth aircraft, $10 billion over 10 years in secret. We, our first spy satellite, the Corona spy satellite, uh, we didn't talk about it for 30 years. Got more data in the first one than all the U-2 flights that preceded it. Uh, so they're not realistic in their approach to uh, the behavior of governments, the behavior of aliens. Uh, they expect they're going to come and land on the White House lawn. Uh, it's a no-fly zone, I hate to tell you this. And uh, in case uh, we in Canadians uh, know this, the President of the United States doesn't speak for uh, 8 billion Earthlings. Last I heard, anyway, he has trouble speaking for mm -hmm. 315 million Americans, you know. Uh, so the whole astronomical SETI movement is, uh, they got a lot of problems. All right, there, there's a chapter I, in, in my book, Flying Saucers and Science, about mm -hmm. that, the cult of SETI. <laughs> All right, I, I, I just want to talk to you. We've got about six minutes left. And like I was saying to you on the commercial break, time goes by so fast when you're with us, and I know your time is precious, and I appreciate the time that you take to be with us whenever you're on stand. I enjoy being on radio. I noticed you didn't say you enjoy being on my show, but that's okay. Thanks, Dan. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it's all, it's all right. You mentioned Coast to Coast 22 times, not that I was counting, but... Uh, <laughs> So, so tell me about your book, How to Become a Flying Saucer Expert. Well, uh, no. <laughs> I was just getting back to flying yeah. saucers, But it, it's the, the subtitle, which is at the top of the cover, <laughs> The Truth Behind the Misinformation, Distortion, and Derision mm -hmm. by Debunkers, Government Agencies, and Conspiracy Conmen. That sums it up pretty well. Uh, Kathy and I believe in spending time at archives, mm -hmm. and we've focused in particular on three of the people who've helped uh, shape our, the society's view about flying saucers. Philip J. Class, a senior avionics editor for many years for Aviation Week and Space Technology, and who never met a saucer that he couldn't identify as something prosaic, regardless of what the facts were. Dr. Donald Howard Menzel, Harvard University professor of astronomy, uh, who wrote three anti-UFO books, and Dr. Edward U. Condon. You remember, dear Ed, yep. he headed up the Condon study, the University of Colorado study, spent $539,000 
showing there really wasn't anything to UFOs. And so we expose the false reasoning, the false information, the misrepresentation. Now, it's easy, uh, in a sense, to understand Donald Menzel, because I discovered to my total shock uh, that he had a longer continuous association with the National Security Agency, the NSA, mm. of anybody in the country. And he said that in a letter to President Kennedy. They knew each other, Bostonians, you know, all that sort of stuff. And uh, it came as a shock, a real shock to everybody. It turns out he was also a world-class cryptologist, codebreaker. And he did all kinds of classified work, but none of this came out until long after he died. I had to get permission from three different people to look at his papers at Harvard. I'd met him uh, on the phone once, and we didn't get along very well. <laughs> uh, and I, I got the permission and, and found these documents, no question about their authenticity. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a paper published a few years back, The Cryptologic Contribution. And people, some people say, well, he couldn't have been a member of Majestic 12, which is what led me to go looking for him anyway. Uh, I had a clearance for 14 years, and it's easy to keep secrets. Uh, and I, I get people telling me, well, all those MJ-12 guys, they certainly would have told their wives what they did. Absolute nonsense uh, about their secret work. And I've seen, uh, we quote a guy in the book, as a matter of fact, who was saying that with the Internet uh, and YouTube, you can't keep secrets. Anything classified mm -hmm. gets said one day and revealed the next, you know, which is utter nonsense. Uh, you don't publish uh, in scientific journals or any other public journal uh, classified information. You don't send your classified data to YouTube for broadcast. I mean, people are pretty silly about some of these things. They sure so are. So we, well, we, we, we talk about Menzel, but we also talk about Class, who uh, never saw a UFO story that he couldn't debunk and uh, got very angry at me when I included a copy of a check that he'd written to me for $1,000 for proving him wrong about the typeface on one of the MJ-12 documents. Mm -hmm. He challenged me. Maybe you didn't notice it was done in the large PICA type, <laughs> but the NSC, you said it's an NS National Security Council document, uh, they only used elite type, he said. And I offer you $100 each for every genuine document done in the same size and style type, uh, up to a maximum of 10, unfortunately. Well, I was going to the Eisenhower Library. He'd never been there, I found out later, ever, how you could make such a comment, in other words, when they had 250,000 pages of NSC material. Uh, I don't understand. I was going there. I found 14 documents done in the same size and style type, made him a copy, sent him an invoice, and he paid me the $1,000. Now, how could you make a ridiculous charge like that without ever having looked at the NSC documents? Any of Good question. He's, you know, besides what he got in the mail. And yeah. so we talk quite a lot about the combination, the, the connection between Class and Mendel and Condon uh, and his vicious attacks on people like James McDonald 
had his nasty letter to uh, a Canadian official uh, about me, warning them that uh, I'm a purveyor of nonsense, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't see the letter two years. Stan, I, I hate to do this, but we've run out of time for tonight. I'd love to have you back on anytime, my friend. Thank you sure. for all. Thank you for all you do, Stan, and uh, do the world a favor. Keep well and keep the great work up. I'm going to try. Thanks, Rob. Take care of yourself, Stan. Exonation. Stanton Friedman has been our guest. His website is stanfriedman.com, and his new book, Fact, Fiction, and Flying Saucers. You've got to get it. Visit his site. This is the Exxon. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. <laughs> 